Hey, this is Julie Mullins, co-senior pastor here at Christ Fellowship Church right here in South Florida. Whether you're across the street or across the world, thank you for taking time out of your busy week to join us for this message. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you to get more out of life. I've got something that I need to confess to you. My prayer life can use some work. Now, I know you probably think, Pastor Ty, I'm sure that when you pray, like the heavens open up and the choir of angels sings and the Holy Spirit descends like, no, 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 not at all. Just like you, I struggle at times with my prayer life. And just like you, there are times that I feel like my prayers are just bouncing off the ceilings and I can get discouraged because I'm not seeing my prayers ever getting answered. And I'm wondering, God, where are you? See, I think it is the plan of the enemy, or de- the devil, to try to stop us from connecting with God, to disrupt our prayer life, because as we said last week, prayer is that connection between spirit man and spirit God. It's your connection with God, and that connection determines your relationship with God. So the enemy's gonna do anything he can to try to disrupt and destroy and dismantle your prayer life, but you can't let him do that. We're in week two of our series all about prayer and we're learning about how we pray and and why we pray and what the purpose of prayer is all about. And, And I said this last week that I believe that this series is one of the most important series of the year because of the power and potential it has to literally change every part of our lives. You've heard me say before that prayer changes things. You've heard people say that, prayer changes things. And the greatest thing that prayer changes is us. Mother Teresa, she said this, she said, I used to believe that prayer changes things, but now I know that prayer changes us and we change things. See, when prayer changes us, it can change our marriage. When prayer changes us, it can change our relationship with our children and with our our coworkers. When prayer changes us, it can change the course of our life. And you can't come in contact with the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving God and it not do something to change you. But all of us uh, get from time to time a little bit confused about prayer. I heard a story about one dad that was praying with his son at night. It was time for bed and the son folded his hands and, and, and looked up to heaven and prayed this prayer. He said, um, dear Harold, and his dad stopped him and said, son, why did you just call God Harold? And he said, well, that's the way they pray at church. You, you know the prayer. Our father which art in heaven, Harold be thy name. You know, that's funny right there, right? I've got some few other kids' prayers here. Olivia prayed, uh, dear God, thank you for the baby brother, but what I asked for was a puppy. It's the only thing I've ever asked for. You can look it up, she said, right? Emma said, dear God, is it true that if my father, my father won't get into heaven if he uses his golf words in the house? And Liam Pray, dear God, I bet it's hard for you to love all of everybody, all of everybody in the whole world. There's only four in our family and I can never do it. I think these kids have figured it out that prayer is just a conversation that we get to have with God, right? And last week we ended the sermon with the challenge that we wanna keep it simple and we wanna keep it real and we wanna keep it up. And today I wanna look at one simple step that we all can take to make our prayer life stronger. It's a tool that I've used throughout my life 
And it's simple enough that a child can pray it, but profound enough that a 70-year-old saint can be lost in this prayer for hours. It's when the disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray. And we noted last week that if these men, who they obviously knew how to pray, they actually would have probably even memorized portions of the Old Testament scripture. So if these men asked Jesus, teach us to pray, that their prayer life needed some help, it's probably okay that our prayer life needs some help as well. And when they asked Jesus to teach us to pray, Jesus responds with what we call the Lord's Prayer. And I want us to pray this out loud together. Wherever you are today, would you just pray this together with me? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. What a, what a great prayer. A mere 66 words in the English language, depending on which translation you read it from. But those few words are packed with meaning and significance for our lives. It's not just a prayer that we're supposed to, to memorize and, and recite without, without thought. It's actually a way to pray. Jesus said, pray in this way, pray in this manner. It was a model for prayer that Jesus was taking us through. And he starts off that prayer in a very shocking way. The first words that he uses in that prayer would have actually disturbed the disciples when he prayed our Father. They, they would have never thought of addressing God as our Father. They, they would barely speak the name of God out of honor. It almost seemed a little bit uh, disrespectful to say our Father. Now, it would have made sense if Jesus maybe had started the prayer uh, by saying, um, O eternal King, that speaks to his authority and, and rule in our life. Or if he had, had used the word oh, Elohim, which is the name of God that speaks to his power and his strength. But Jesus didn't start there. Jesus started with the two words, our Father. A term of endearment that we can miss in the English language. Because we, we hear it from the old King James Version, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be. And it sounds a little stuffy, a little formal, a little British almost, right? <laughs> but Jesus, in, in the original Aramaic language, the word was Abba, Abba. And, and Abba is the term that a very young child would use when calling out to their father a very young child that was dependent upon their dad. And the, the term Abba actually translates daddy. So you can see that, that this is a, a young child's dependence for a father to pick him up and protect him and provide and, and care for him. And I, I think it's important that right from the start of when Jesus is teaching us how to pray, he's teaching us that prayer is all about a relationship with your father, with your Abba, with your daddy. It's not some stuffy, formal, religious 
experience, some place you have to go and, 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 and try to confess and, and cause him to, to, to like you again. No, no, no. It's a place that you get to run to him as a young child and just reach out for him intimately, personally. Abba, Daddy. Remember last week when we talked about the purpose of prayer, that it's, it's not to try to get something from God. It's actually just about getting to God, being with God. It's this this conversation, and as the conversation goes, so goes the relationship. And so Jesus, right from the very beginning of teaching us how to pray, he's reminding us that this is all about a relationship that you get to have with God. It's not something that you have to do. It's something that we, we get to do. It's not something that you've got to do to, because you messed up or you've made a, made a mistake. It's actually something that we get to do just to walk in deeper relationship with Jesus. And so Jesus established this by saying, our Father, and then he begins to take us on a journey when he says, hallowed be thy name. And that word just means holy is your name. That word holy just means sanctified and set apart. Your name, God, is like no other name. There's nobody that's got your name. Your name is a strong tower that we can run into. Your name is a refuge for us. Your name is our protection and our defense. Your name is above every other name. Psalm 8 says, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Psalm 113 says, from the rising of the sun into the place that it sets, may the name of the Lord be praised for now and evermore, amen? So prayer starts with praise, hallowed be thy name. Enter into it, Psalm 100 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and go into his courts with what? With praise. Hallowed be thy name. Can I tell you, there is so much in the name of God. See, all throughout the Bible, uh, there are different names that are ascribed or given to God that help us understand his character, his nature, the kind of Abba, Father, that he is. I wrote a few of them down here. Uh, Jehovah Jireh is the name of God. That means God provides. He makes a way for you. Jehovah Nisi means he's your banner of victory, that through him you are more than a conqueror. Jehovah Shammah. The God that is there, that wherever you are, guess what? There he is with you. He's never gonna leave you. He's never gonna walk out on you. Jehovah Shalom, the God of our peace, that no matter what storm might be going on around you, Jehovah Shalom speaks peace in your life and in your heart. Jehovah Rophi is the God, our healer, that he heals today. Jehovah Rohi is that he's our shepherd and that he's our guide. So at the beginning of this prayer, we take time to thank God for who he is in our lives, for what he's done, for the way that he's provided. We start with, hallowed be your name. God, I remember all that you've done in my life. I remember your faithfulness down in all parts of my life. And I stop and I honor you for that. And I I celebrate that. And I, I praise you for the peace you've given me when I was walking through that storm one month ago and I I praise you for the way you provided. You were Jehovah Jireh when I didn't even know how you were gonna make a way. You made a way and so I stopped right at the beginning of this prayer and I just, hallowed be thy name, worship your name. Your name is worthy. So the first gate of prayer is praise. And the reason this is important, we mentioned this last week, that praise puts your heart and mind in the right place. For prayer, 
Because you're not going into prayer worried about everything that's been going on. I mean, you're, you're thinking about God and his power and his strength and his provision and his faithfulness. You're focusing yourself on who God is, not on your problems. We all got problems, right? Not on your needs or your wants. We'll get to those in just a minute, right? But we're gonna start by honoring God for who he is right up front, that nothing is too hard for our God, all powerful, almighty God. You see why praise comes first? It gets your heart ready for prayer. Praise gets you set up to actually be able to go into his presence. So today along this journey, this pathway of prayer through the Lord's prayer, we're gonna stop at each section and we're gonna pray this. So I wanna lead us in a time of prayer around praise to God. So would you pray with me? Father, we start today this journey of prayer by just thanking you that you're our Abba Father. You're our daddy. We run to you today and there's no problem that we have that is too insignificant for you and there's no problem that's too big for you. We thank you that God, you're our Jehovah Jireh, our provider, that everything that we've had need of, you've provided for us. That you're Jehovah Shammah, the God that is there for us. Everything that we need is found in you. And so today we celebrate, we thank you, we praise you for your love, your, your loving kindness, which is better than life itself. We thank you for your mercies that are new every morning for us, God. We thank you for your tender compassion towards us, your grace that we don't deserve. So we just start this whole time of prayer by thanking you for who you are. I worship you for what you've done and who you are in my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. So after we enter into his courts with praise, the next section of this prayer, Jesus leads us in is he says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it's being done in heaven. And so right here, Jesus reminds us that God is our king, which speaks to his authority in our life. And just like any king has the, has the right to establish rules for his kingdom, gets to kind of set up the way his kingdom is gonna run, God has that right to set that up in our lives. So when you are in Christ and you are a part of a spiritual kingdom, he is your king and you're saying, I give you permission to have rule over my life. Thy kingdom come in my life, your rule come in my life. When you pray this, you're actually inviting God to step in and rule and have authority in your life, and may I just say, in every area of your life. Come into every area of my life, even those areas that I have not yet surrendered. I'm praying today, Lord, that you would have control of those areas of my life. Have your way in my life. I yield to your ways. Thy kingdom, thy kingdom come. It's almost like you're praying, God, I long for you to be God in my life, and I long for the place where, God, you are God where your authority and your rule is, is evident, as evident on earth as it is in heaven. Like, think about that. I want, your, I want your rule to be evident in my life. I want your rule to be evident in my marriage, in my family, in the way I treat my employees or my coworkers. I want your rule to be so evident that your kingdom is at operation in my life. You see what I'm saying? That's a powerful prayer. God, have your way in my in my life, in my priorities, thy kingdom come, be the ruler. And then thy will be done. This is when it gets really personal because it's a prayer of surrender. Your will, not my will, thy will. Your wants, not what I want for my life, not my plans, your, your, your will be done 
in my life. Now, sometimes when we're talking about the will of God, the will of God can seem a little ambiguous. Like, what does God want me to do? What's my career supposed to be? Or uh, what, what am I supposed to, who am I supposed to marry? And I can't find that in there. Is her name Ruth or Esther? Or, you know, I don't know what, you know, we, we get confused because some things aren't black and white, right? So, so it's ambiguous. What college should I go to? Which I always say is an easy one. Christ Fellowship Southeastern University, just saying, sliding that in there, there. But, but other times, it, sometimes it's ambiguous, but other times, can I just tell you, the will of God is very obvious. It's in black and white, right in front of our nose, the word of God. The Bible is full of directions and directives given to us by God so that we can understand and know and do the will of God the Father. See, I'm afraid that most Christians are way educated beyond their level of obedience. Meaning we know a whole lot more than we do. Like you don't even probably need another sermon this morning. You probably just need to do the last one that we talked about, right? We just go back and just do, we're like, God, what is thy will? Thy will be done. And God's like, uh, duh, it's right here. Like I have so much in here for you to do. It's quite obvious. Hello, right? When you pray this section of the Lord's prayer, thy will be done on earth. It's not just for our nation or for our cities or for our world. It's actually thy will be done here. Thy will be done in my life as it's being done in heaven. And we know today that up in heaven, God's will is being done. Like nobody's pushing back on their own will. They're doing God's will. And so we're praying, God, I come under, I surrender my plans to you. So I wanna lead us through this time of prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And, and I want you right where you are uh, to, to pray very open-handedly before God as I pray this. So Father God, we pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done in our lives as it's being done in heaven. Thy kingdom come, God, be the king over our lives. And Lord, if there's any area of our lives that we have been keeping out from under your authority or under your control, today we surrender those to you. Today we say come and, and, and rule over those areas. God, if there's any area where we've been walking in a different way than what your way and your will is laid out in your word, I pray today you would speak to us about those things. Help us to surrender those things. Your will be done. And we know God, your way and your will always leads to life. <laughs> you always know what's best for us. It's when we take things into our own hands, we mess things up. But God, today in the middle of this prayer, we, we pause and we surrender ourselves to you. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And as we continue in this moment of prayer, if there's an area of your life that you know you need to surrender to the kingship or the rule of God, why don't you just tell him today? Just say, Lord, I give you, I surrender this to you. Tell him right where you are. Have your way in this area of my life, I pray. And then after that prayer of surrender, establishing God's rule and authority over our lives, we come to the place of prayer where Jesus actually invites us to ask for what we need. After we've said, okay, God, we're, we're playing by your playbook. We know what you want for us. So we're not gonna ask over here because we know what you're, you're, you're asking of our lives. We pray, give us this day our daily bread. 
Can I remind you that God cares about what you care about? As a dad, I care about what my son Jefferson and his wife Cassie, what, what they care about. If there's something going on in their, their lives that's troubling them, guess what? It, it, it bothers me. I want to do something. Those of you that are parents, you know, you'll do anything, right, for your kids, right? So God says how much more then? I referenced this scripture last week where Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 11, if we being evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? He goes, man, you think you know how to take care of your kids? You haven't seen nothing yet. God knows how to take care of his kids way better. And so in this time of asking, we get to ask God. God, give us this day our daily Bread. Now, scholars believe that, that this is a direct reference back to the time when the Israelites were wandering through the wilderness and God provided fresh manna every morning for them to eat. They were hungry, they needed food, they were in the middle of the desert, they couldn't grow anything, and every morning they would wake up and there would be bread, fresh baked bread from heaven. Angel food cake sitting all over the ground, right? I mean, it would be like, it'd be like having bagels and croissants delivered to your front door every morning. Woo, wouldn't that be good? We'd all weigh a lot more, but it'd be delicious, right? It'd be, it'd be amazing. And that's what, what they were doing every day God provided. Now, they were told to collect just enough for what they needed that day. And if they collected more than what they needed and tried to store it up, it would rot overnight. They could only do that on the night leading up to the Sabbath, keep enough for the Sabbath, but every other day, they had to daily depend upon God. Speaks to the fact that God wants us to see him as our source, not what we can store up and save for ourselves, not what we can provide for ourselves, but that he is our Jehovah Jireh. He is the one that is providing for you and for me. We've gotta rely on him to be our source of our daily bread. I think it's also important in this passage to uh, distinguish between our, our needs and our greeds, right? What we actually need and what we actually want, right? We can pray, Lord, give me that new car, and give me that new house, give me that new spouse, right? We can pray those prayers, and you may need a new car, but do you need that new car? Like, I know you look good in that car, but I don't think you need that car, right? Or we, we uh, give me a new house, and you may need a new house, but have you thanked God for the house you got? And for the provision, that, have you been loving the spouse you got? Why don't you just start right there, just love. But I think that God, instead of wanting us to keep wanting more and more, that he would learn, we would learn to be content and satisfied with what he's already given us. And that puts us in a position to receive what he wants to give us. Philippians chapter four actually tells us how we're supposed to ask God uh, for what we need, and this is what it says. Do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything, this is the Amplified, every circumstance and every situation, by prayer and petition with, what's that word? Thanksgiving, continue to make your specific requests known to God. And then in verse eight, it says, finally, brothers, whatever's true and noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, say that last part with me out loud, think about such things. Okay, so Paul in this passage gives us the secret to how we ask God. First, you've gotta ask right. He says, don't be anxious about it. Don't be anxious about what you're asking for, which means when you come to God with your needs, we leave worry at the door. We're not dragging our worries and our concerns because we're going before a good, good father 
that loves us and wants to provide. And so in faith, we come asking. So worry has no place in the ask. So first, we have to ask right. And the second thing is we've got to think right. He says, think about what is lovely and pure and right. When you think about all the good things God has already done in your life, it builds faith up in your life. I say it this way, when you remember his faithfulness in your past, it builds your faith for your future. When you stop and remember all the ways God has been faithful in your past, it builds faith for your future and what you might be facing right then. So let's take a moment to pray this part of the prayer. Asking God for our daily bread. I'm gonna pray first, then I'm gonna give you a moment to think about what you need to ask God for today. His, his ear is listening to the, the voice of your prayer. He, he wants you to, to look to him and, and ask him to be your, your source and your provision today. So let me pray. Father God, I thank you that you care for us and that we can carry every need that we have to you. There's nothing too small or insignificant. There's nothing too big and too overwhelming for you. It may be too big for us, but it's not too big for you. And so God, we pray for the needs that are represented in our church family. God, there's so many needs that I know about personally, but there's thousands and thousands that I don't know about, but you know about each and every one. And I pray that God, those needs that we have for provision, for, for jobs, God, for better jobs, for God, healing in marriages and families. God, for salvation of loved ones that are not walking with you today. God, you know what all the needs are. You know the healing that's needed in bodies today, physical, physical problems that, God, you need to heal and restore and be Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. We ask you for these things today. And you said that we can, that we can bring all of our needs before you. Just right where you are, why don't you... Get specific with what you need God to do. Just whisper that out to him. Tell him what you need him to do in your life today. And then after Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread, he, he said to pray, forgive us our trespasses or forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And I want you to know, this is the only petition in the Lord's Prayer that is actually conditional. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. The only place where it's conditional. And it's the only portion of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus goes back to at the end and says, let me go back and talk about that a little bit more. Look what he says right after he gets done teaching on the Lord's Prayer. He's still teaching on it in verse 14. He says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, look at that, your Father will not forgive. Wow, he will not forgive. That's kind of a big deal. Like, why don't we preach on that a little bit more? I mean, if Jesus would make such a big deal in the Lord's Prayer about forgiving others, it must be a, a big deal. My mind went back this past week to all the teachings of Jesus about loving others completely and selflessly and laying your life down for others. My mind went back to the, that when someone asked him what the greatest commandment was, and he says the greatest commandment is that you love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and soul and strength, and then he went on to say, and the second one is just like it, which means it's connected together. You've gotta to love 
your neighbor as you love yourself. You gotta show grace, you gotta show mercy. See, all through the scriptures, Jesus taught us that our faith between us and God will have a direct impact between us and our fellow man. Like the one is gonna influence the other. In fact, in, in 1 John, it says, how can you love God who you have not seen when you can't even love your neighbor or your coworker who you have seen? You know what I'm talking about? You say, you can't, they, they, they can't coexist. Why? Because God is a, a forgiver. Think of all the things God has forgiven you of. I mean, just, we could take the next hour, go ahead, just start rattling off all, and then, that, and then all the times that he's forgiven you, over and over and over and over. And you're like, you said you'd never do that again, and you did, and there it is, I still forgive you. That's amazing, that kind of mercy and that kind of love, and so Jesus is saying, you have freely received the grace of God in your life, so it needs to freely flow out of you to other people. There was a time in the Gospels when um, Jesus was with his disciples and Peter asked him a question. He said, Lord, how many times do I have to forgive somebody that has offended me? Um, seven times? And Peter was actually being a little bit, you know, <laughs> pious here because in Jewish custom and law, you only had to forgive somebody three times. And after three times, you could write them off. <laughs> It's probably somebody you think that you'd probably like to do that to today, right? So, so Peter thought when he said to Jesus seven times, <laughs> seven, that's a holy number, Lord. And so I'm sure that's the number seven, seven times. And Jesus looked back to him and said, no, not seven times, but 77 times or 70 times seven times. That's a lot of, what was Jesus saying? He says, don't try to count it. Just forgive, just let it go, you've been forgiven of so much. And then after Jesus told Peter that and told us that, he goes on to tell the story about a servant that had this huge debt and the king called the debt in and the servant had no way to repay the debt to the point that his family was gonna be thrown in, in prison for the debt. He begged for mercy and the king gave him mercy. But then Jesus said that same servant went out, found the guy that owed him like 20 bucks in today's money and shook him and said, you must pay me now, and if you don't pay me now, I'm gonna throw you in prison. Had the guy thrown in prison. And you read that story and you think, how ridiculous is that? That this servant that had been forgiven of so much would hold a grudge on a guy for 20 bucks. He should be going, oh, whew, hey, that's all right. Here's another 20, man. Are you? And Jesus is saying, that's exactly what we're doing when we hold on to the pain and the hurt and hold on to unforgiveness because we have been forgiven of so much by our king that we need to let forgiveness flow. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And notice right there, there's no indication of the other person being sorry. Forgive us our sins as we forgive. It's not like after they ask for forgiveness. That's, that's what I like to do. Like I'll forgive them as soon as they come groveling back and tell me how wrong they were. <laughs> yeah, as long as you know that you were wrong, then I'll... I'll forgive you. No, that's not, what, that's not what Jesus is saying here. He's saying just show mercy. So let me ask you a question. Who is it today that you need to forgive? What hurt or pain have, um, have you been holding on to? And it's actually been holding on to you. 
And today you need to release it because you've been forgiven of so much. You need to release the person. You need to forgive them so that you can walk in the forgiveness and the grace that Jesus has shown to you. Would you bow your heads as I lead us through this portion of the Lord's Prayer? Lord, we thank you that you have forgiven us of so much that we can't even begin uh, to write it all down. We can't even begin to remember all the things you've forgiven us of. And so we thank you today for your mercy and your grace. And Lord, I pray for those today that actually need to release and forgive someone for what they've done or what they've said to them. Lord, I know it's painful and I know that what happened is real and the impact of that is, is heavy. But Lord, I pray that in light of the grace we've been shown, that we can show grace and move on. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those that have sinned against us. Who is it that you need to forgive today? Why don't you just take a moment between you and the Lord and release that hurt and release that pain. And the last section of this prayer is a prayer for protection. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I heard someone once say that opportunity only knocks once, but temptation will knock the door down. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's going to bust that door down. Temptation is all around us. You just turn on the TV, right? Netflix, temptation. You know, your, uh, your phone, temptation, right? You got driving on I-95, billboards. You can't close your eyes, right? Because you're driving. But there's temptation all around us. Um, what used to be wrong is now celebrated in our culture as right. It's flashed right in front of our eyes. I, I, we're tempted in little things in business to kind of cheat here or skip there or tell a little white lie. It's not that big of a deal, but it is a big deal. And so when we pray, lead us not into temptation, what we're praying is, Lord, don't let me go there. Don't let me go to those places that I've, that I've been before. Be the leader of my life. Be, be the shepherd of my life. I need your help. Don't leave me to my own devices. Don't let me wander away from you. Think about, think about a shepherd. A shepherd uh, takes care of his sheep. The shepherd will keep his sheep from getting too close to a cliff or a dangerous place. So he'll keep his sheep from wandering off. And so when you pray, lead me not into temptation, you're saying, be the shepherd of my life. Don't let me wander down that road before. Don't let me wander down that pathway before. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it is the road to where? to death. Seems right, looks good, feels good, but in the road, it leads to death. And so when you're praying, Lord, keep me from that. Keep me from that road. Don't let me walk down that, that path again because I know what sin does. I know how sin will destroy. I know how sin binds me up. I know how sin will bring pain into my life and into my relationships. So lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Your version might say from the evil one. That's because uh, Jesus had talked to us about the enemy of our soul, the, the devil. And so when we're praying, lead me not into temptation, deliver me from the evil one, we're saying, God, I turn over the protection of my life to you and your covering. So let's pray this part of the Lord's Prayer together today. Lord, we thank you that you are the God that is watching over us. And we pray today that you would lead us not into temptation. Don't let us go down these pathways that maybe we've walked down before that don't lead us to life, that don't lead us to the future that you have for us. God, bring your protection over our family your protection over our minds. We pray for protection over our businesses, God, and protection over our relationships, we pray. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So as we wrap up today, my challenge for you is the same challenge I gave you last week. 
to keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. One way to keep it simple is for you to pray the Lord's Prayer every day. This is not um, just something to say it, we want you to pray it. Like, like we did today, stop along the way and pray along the pathway of the Lord's Prayer. And I promise it as you do, you will experience an enriching of your prayer life with God. One last verse and then I wanna pray for you. It says this in James 4, verse eight. In fact, I want you to say this with me out loud, wherever you are, say this with me. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Say that one more time. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Every time you take the time to pray, you are drawing near to God. Every time, even when you don't feel like much happened, and every time God is drawing near to you. I wanna pray two prayers as we close today. I wanna pray a prayer that all of us will experience that deepening relationship with God as we take time to draw close to him in prayer every day. As you find your prayer chair, your place of prayer, as you spend that time with him. The second prayer I wanna pray for those of you that need to get your relationship with God right. This is all about a relationship that you get to have with the God of the universe. And if that relationship isn't where it needs to be, it can be today. You can just pray a prayer of surrender. Thy will be done in my life. And he'll step into your heart today. So if we get to that second prayer and that prayer's for you, you let me know. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that Jesus, you taught us how to pray so that we could better connect and know the Father, so that we could be in a deeper, more intimate relationship with you, our Abba. I pray that every person, God, this week, as we take time to pray through the Lord's Prayer and spend time with you, that Lord, you would show yourself strong in our lives, that as we draw near to you, that you would draw near to us and that you would change us from the inside out. As we continue to pray with every head bowed, if you're here today and you would say, Todd, my, prayer, my, my, my life with Jesus is not where it needs to be. My relationship is not what I want it to be, but today I want it to be right with God. And, and I'm gonna pray this second prayer. And if you would say, include me in this prayer, then right where you're seated, just raise your hand up. Just hold it up high. Let me see it all across the rooms today. You're saying, I want everything that God has for me. I want this relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're gonna pray this prayer together. And those of you with your hands up, I want you to pray it a little bit louder. But let's all pray this together. Pray this after me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I want to have a relationship with you. Come into my life and make me a new person. And I will follow you the best I know how for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you again for spending time with us today. If you're looking to take a step in discovering the more that God has in store for you, just text the word podcast to the number 441-441 and then select the option that applies to you. And if you enjoyed this message, just make sure that you subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. A special thanks to all of you who so generously give to all that God is calling us to do together. It's really because of you that everything we do is possible. We'll see you right back here for next week's message.